forsake the assembly of yourself so that you can encourage each other and motivate each other to love. We could talk about these three verses all day. Here's a very short summary. We need each other and we are stronger together. We need each other. The body of Christ, the church, is a gift from God because we need each other. I read an African proverb today. I don't know where it came from or who said it. Well, I guess I do know where it came from. It came from Africa, but I don't know who said it. But it's an African proverb, and it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that's beautiful. That's a beautiful picture, because what do we want to do? Right? Do we just want to have a moment in the sun or 15 minutes of fame, so to speak? Do we just want to move fast and get there? Or do we want, are we going for the long haul? Are we going as the church, as individuals? Man, we're in this thing for life. And then once this life is done, we have an eternity to then be together. And this is just a drop in the bucket. And here's what we learn from the word. We are stronger together. So I'm going to jump straight into this picture of these sequoia trees, these redwood trees. Here's a few facts. Man, they are the largest living organisms on the face of the earth and the oldest. There are more than a few of these trees who are over 2,000 years old. That means there's a good chance they were growing when Jesus was walking the earth. That is powerful. Just thinking that something can live for that long. Right? They are so big. We're going to get into a few more facts, but how do they grow that big? How do they grow for that long? Right? Here's three things about these trees that I was thinking about this week. They are very prosperous. These trees prosper, right? They have longevity and they've had a bigger impact on this world than almost any other living organism we can think of besides humans. I'm going to talk about these three things, but prosperity, longevity, and impact. These are three things we're going to take from this picture today. Prosperity, longevity, and impact. These trees are so prosperous. They live such a long time. They have a large impact because they grow and their roots, you would think, I used to think that they just grew down. They've been growing so long, they grow down so far that they become strong, but they actually don't grow that far down. The, the root system of these trees that have been alive for 2,000 plus years are only about six to 12 feet deep, which means it might take a while, but I mean, you could dig that up with a shovel, right? They don't grow so far deep, though. They grow around each other. They entwine around each other. These root systems grow together, and even the roots begin to grow into one another, like they're grafted into each other. So underground, it's just like this giant, long, shallow, but long web system of roots growing together for years and years and years. And that is why they have such longevity. That is why they're so prosperous. That is why people from all over the world go to the Redwood Forest just to see them, just to be a part. That's why movies are filmed there. My favorite Star Wars scene was filmed there. Return of the Jedi, the, the battle scene uh, on Andor, that was, uh, that was filmed in the Redwood Forest. A stormtrooper rides that speeder bike right into a, one of those trees and just blows up. <laughs> but just like these trees, man, we, we can learn 
we can really take some lessons from this, right? I know there's an obvious picture of the church. There's an obvious picture of a community when you talk about those roots growing together. But I want to get into some of these actual facts here. So here's one of the things about these root systems. I'm going to start off talking about longevity, right? Long, prosperous life. I mean, how many of us want to live life for, for 50, 55 years just struggling to get by and then maybe in the end of our life have some, uh, have some I don't know, some, some fun, some prosperity, whatever you want to call it, making an impact here. No, we're called to live and make an impact every day of our lives. I believe we can. We don't have to just uh, finish, I don't know how, how, how you want to word it. We don't have to live and then as we're gone it's like we are never here we can have longevity that leaves an impact so as these roots grow together one of the main things it does is it provides stability and stability like, like these these trees don't get blown over during windstorms hurricanes whatever it is that hits them I and mean, they're right there on the coast they've been hit by strong wind for hundreds and hundreds of years. But because of those roots growing together, it gives them stability and the strong winds or floods, neither one can take these trees down. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. As we allow our lives as a community to entwine when the flood and the water and the winds come against us, and you can that can be whatever it is in your life that is coming against you, right? When things are coming against you, we are so much less likely to fall and take a loss when we are being held up by each other. Man, I can't explain to you what it was like after my dad died in 2016. I mean, a lot of you guys were here at the church in 2016. And I'm telling you, the day he died, there was stuff that we didn't even know we were going to need that showed up at the front porch. We opened the door one day at my mom's house and somebody, maybe one of you, had brought just boxes and boxes of every possible thing we would need that week, from food to toilet paper to uh, to to. Uh, I mean, dish soap, just whatever you, I don't know, man. Y'all must have just gone to the grocery store and bought everything and then left it on my mom's front porch. And, and that's just the material things. What also we, we had received was people just walking in, sitting on the couch and just being with us and encouraging us and just, man, being there as a shoulder to cry on, a person to talk to. And I'm telling you, I don't know how people make it through stuff like that without community, without friends, without family. Even beyond blood family, just the way our church came together and took care of us. That was a wind and a flood like we had never been through. And you know how it seems like everything hits you all at once. I mean, we had so much stuff going on when he passed away. There was uh, that loan that we paid off a few years ago was up for a renewal at the bank. And the lady at the bank called me like a week after my dad died. And she says, I know what you're going through. I'm so sorry we have to have this conversation, but I need a full financial report from the church from the last five years when it comes to this loan. And man, I'm telling you, that was just six years ago, but most of our financial reports were hard copies of files and, and carbon copies of checks that were stuffed into a file cabinet. So in the middle of, of heavy grief and, and going through all this and, and realizing that we were going to be pastoring a church now as lead pastors, we were also putting together financial reports and all kinds of other things. 
And it was the community. It was all of us pulling together that gave us stability during that time. I don't care how strong you are. If you're a pastor, if you're a mature believer, grief can take you out in a second, right? Grief can, can, can become a very hard season to go through. I'm not saying grief is easy, but I'm telling you, we were held up by our community and it is what kept us going through that. This is one of my favorite things. These root systems growing together are, are what gives these trees longevity. They're not getting blown down. They're not falling over in floods. They're pulling nutrients from each other. We're going to get to that. But here's one of the other things. Like Because of the longevity of these trees, because they've been growing for so long, their bark is over a foot thick, and it contains like an almost immeasurable amount compared to other trees of this acid called lactic acid. And what that does is it makes the trees completely resistant to insects, fungus, disease. And here's my favorite thing. They're fireproof. They don't burn. These trees won't burn. The forest won't burn. And I guess if you were to cut it down and throw the bark in a fire, it wouldn't burn because of this buildup of lactic acid. So really, anything that comes against these trees is just going to fall short. Does this remind us of Isaiah 54, 17? No weapon formed against us shall prosper right? That, I believe we have victory in Jesus, right? We have promises from God. We have promises because of the cross that, that tell us we have authority over sickness and disease. We have authority over demons. We can speak to demons and tell them to go, right? I believe all this with all my heart. We've experienced it. We are all humans, and there are times we let our guard down. There are times for whatever reason an attack makes it through, and in those moments, us being together, our church letting our roots our community grow together. We hold each other up during those seasons. We hold each other up. And even if the fire comes, even if the wind comes, even if the flood comes, whatever you want to call it, whatever attack comes your way, and we hold each other up. We need that so much in our life. I need you. Man, there's a group of, of guys here, and you, you know who you are when I've said, hey, Man, hold me accountable. If you see me acting crazy or something, call me out on it. We all know that about each other. And plus, it might not even get to you because I got a wife who does not mind calling me out the second I start acting crazy. We, we can do that with each other. Uh, that, that's kind of what a good marriage is about too, right? You don't have to combat the lies of the enemy on your own. You don't have to combat your own self-destructive habits on your own. You don't have to combat anything on your own when you let your roots grow down into a community. We're like an, a, a community. It's like an armor that surrounds you and attacks just fall off. Attacks just fall to the wayside. I've seen it over and over again in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. But you got to let those roots go down. You know, a few weeks ago I said this, that, uh, and, and it's so true, we can all fall captive or we can all fall into believing that lie that the grass is greener somewhere else. But it's really not. The grass is greenest where it gets water, where you water the grass. When you let your roots grow, you will find everything around will become more and more healthy. This, this picture, I got this picture of that when I was cutting my own grass a couple weeks ago. We have this big white fence and the grass on one side of the fence is literally twice as green as it is on the other side of the fence. So in this case, the grass 
is greener on the other side. However, it's because the air condition line runs right there and just leaks into the grass on the other side of the fence. And the grass is greener where it gets water. As you let your roots grow and that area where you're standing still becomes watered and fertile and better and better ground, you will find yourself with more longevity. You will not be falling to the same things that you always fall to, those patterns that you've developed in your life where things seem to be going good for a year and then they don't go good or, or, or whatever it is in your life. This gets you out, just staying still, letting the roots grow and allowing that spot, allowing yourself to prosper in the ground that you're planted in. Got to let those roots grow around each other. And for this, there's a bit of vulnerability, right? It would take this away from the example of trees and roots. But to let your roots grow around a community, there's a bit of vulnerability. That takes trust, right? And, and the only way I know of to build up trust with somebody is by spending time. There's so many times we are so close to crossing a threshold of trust when our flesh gets in the way and we turn around and run the other way. And sometimes it's because we're scared of being vulnerable. Sometimes it's for whatever reason, but it's trust that gets us to this place. And it's only time that builds trust. I, I was talking to a, a guy years ago who started coming to our church and, and uh, he came to a couple services, like two or three. And we had lunch and he said, Man, I really enjoyed your, your church service, but you know, it's not like uh, the church services in the Bible that Paul set up, you know? And, and I was like, okay, keep talking. And he said, well, you know, he talks about how two or three people should have a word and, and this or that. And I said, okay, well, I mean, none of that is really, uh, like, he's not saying this should happen all the time. These are instructions that can happen. And we have plenty of times when people are able to give words at church. In fact, I believe we had two words last Sunday that were awesome, that one before the message and one right after that were just great additions to what the Lord was saying through Lisa. And, and uh, I brought up trust to him. I said, you know, as a pastor, one of the things I can't do is just allow any person to come up, grab a microphone and say whatever it is on their heart. I have to, as a shepherd, know that I trust the person, that they understand who they are in the Lord, that they understand who they are in Jesus. Their foundation is the word. And then I can give them the freedom to grab a mic and give a word. And I said, realistically, there's probably a lot of people that have great things to add to a service that just don't stick around places long enough to build that trust up with the pastor or with their other brothers and sisters. And I was surprised. This guy said, I've never thought of that. He said, I've always just kind of pictured myself walking into different services and getting a mic handed to me. And I was like, that might happen. But I mean, <laughs> it won't happen at our place. Like you got to build up some trust first. And that's what it takes. It takes vulnerability to allow your root system to grow around other people's. And that can be scary. But when the Lord has sent you to a place, when the Lord is the one who's planted you somewhere, man, there should be a level of trust where we allow ourselves to be a little more vulnerable because we know our Father wouldn't send us into a place, right, where, where, where we're not meant to be vulnerable, right? And, and, and I understand, too, we've, we've been hurt. So many people have been hurt by church people, and I want to, to point that out, that the church is built off of imperfect people, and I'm so sorry if you've been hurt by, by church people, right? I mean, I've been hurt by the world as well. It's just people, right? People make mistakes. People hurt other people. And, and it doesn't go back to the Lord. It doesn't, I, I don't even blame the church. It's just people. But when the Lord 
has planted you in a community, when he's put you in a spot, man, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Stick around long enough to build up some trust and allow those root systems to grow. So they have longevity because of these roots. That's also why they prosper. They have grown so tall and for so long because, first of all, they're impervious to insect attack and fungus and, and flood and water and fire, right? But also when things do get dry, because of this interconnected root system, the weaker trees, the younger trees, can actually pull nutrients from the larger trees that store up more water and, and more nutrients. They pull from each other. That's pretty powerful. And when they pull from each other, it's actually called a family circle, right? When the younger trees pull from the older ones, it's called a mother and father tree, right? It's, and the reason it's called that is because redwood trees, sequoias grow less from seeds that fall to the ground and grow. And a majority of these trees actually spring up from the root systems themselves. The root system can sprout new life and it, hits the air, hits, the, hits above the ground, and the root system will sprout these new trees that then pull nutrients from the parent trees, especially when things get dry or the ground has got a little bit less nutrients than, than before. They pull from each other and they just keep growing. I mean, that is a beautiful picture. These trees prosper because of each other. And when somebody gets weak, they literally pull from the ones who are stronger. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us, I've already read it once, I'm gonna read it again, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, when I need something, I, I rarely ever have to make phone calls outside of our church community. I mean, whether it's something physical or whether it's uh, a spiritual or, or even an emotional need. I mean, there's plenty of relationships we have outside of our community. But really, the Lord has just given us everything we need right here, right? And, and, and man, that's powerful. I was thinking about um, this moment years and years ago. I've shared it before, but it's worth sharing again because it I mean, it encourages me when I, when I remember this. But there was years ago, it was probably the, it was, my dad passed away in 2016, so it was Christmas of the next year, and it was the week we were talking about joy. And this is the power of a community, a root system, people who know you, that you've grown up beside. And, uh, you know, dad had been gone for like a year and a half, and I don't know that this was related directly to that, but it was a week that I was supposed to be talking about joy, and I, I like writing my messages. I write a majority of the message on Monday morning and then just kind of let it marinate and edit for the rest of the week. But I had nothing that, that, that week, and it was Saturday, and I just didn't have any good notes. I didn't have what I considered a good, complete message. And we went to a Christmas party at our friend Alan Angie Burke's house, and my pastor was there, Pastor Dean, Lisa's uncle. And I sat beside him at this party, and I just said, Pastor Dean, what would you be talking about tomorrow if you were talking about joy? I was going to basically copy his answers, right, and just uh, turn that test in the next day, I guess. But he looks at me and he says, why are you asking me about joy? That's what you carry. That's what your family carries. He said, when y'all walk into the room, the whole place lights up with joy. That's what everybody feels when y'all are around. You shouldn't be asking me about joy. I should be asking you about joy. That's all he said. As soon as he said that, it unlocked something inside of me. And it was like this entire, everything I wanted to say the next day just downloaded. 
I'd, I'd stepped out of the room, sat down in a chair, wrote some notes down. It was powerful. And, and that's not like we could obviously talk about somebody coming to your house and fixing your plumbing and stuff like that. But I'm talking about some deeper stuff right here. This is what I needed in that moment. I needed him to look at me and call out who I really was. And when somebody knows you, when you've let your lives entwine together, not only hopefully does that person know who you are in Christ, man, they know who you are. And at the times we forget, they can look at you and call it out and say, listen, I know what you're doing right now. I know what you're saying, but this isn't you. Here's who you are. You carry joy. That is powerful. I love the, uh, the picture that they can sprout new trees from the roots, right? Because, uh, I mean, you can take a seed, you can plant it, whatever, but it's that root system that gives them this almost extra, this extraordinary power compared to other trees and other, other tree systems. I love the idea of that because, you know, what are we called to do as believers except for to reproduce ourselves? And Jesus said, make disciples. You know, you won't find an instance of Jesus saying, go get people saved, I mean, it's obviously important. We obviously need to share the gospel. But what he said, his final instructions, was go make disciples. And you know, it goes back to this root system. Because I've heard somebody else talk about this recently, but I took it a little bit further in this particular instance. But there's some amazing ministries all throughout the world. And you hear these fantastic numbers, like a million and a half people gave their heart to the Lord at this crusade or or 10,000 people got saved, and that's awesome, right? I, I, I believe that that is powerful. It is a good thing. People have encounters with the Lord that are real. You know, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. A lot of people can confess with their mouth. It, it, you can't judge if a person's believed in their heart or not. But realistically, if you take up all these different ministries in different countries and add up the numbers of how many people got saved, it's greater than the population of the country, yet the countries are still large population, other religions, right? So I think where, where we've missed it so often as the church is it's easy to go somewhere, blow in, blow out, and say 10,000 people got saved, but making disciples, which is what Jesus told us to do, takes time. It takes effort. It takes letting that root system grow. And here is some pretty uh, cool numbers on what that would look like, making disciples. It takes time, right? Let's just say you can spend time with four people right? Just four people. You're not in front of the masses talking to a million people or preaching in front of 10,000. Let's just say you've got four people you're spending time with. And these folks, because of you, come into a relationship with the Lord that is lasting, that is not going to run dry. We've walked through things together. The times they've been tempted to turn around and run, we've walked through that together. The times they've been asking the hard questions, well, Lord, why did this happen? Why did that happen? We worked through it together. So we are spending time together. And after that year, there are four people who are not going to turn their back on the Lord. They're just going to keep moving forward. They have a strong root system. And then the following year, they each spend time and make disciples out of four other people. That becomes, instead of four, 16. And then if those 16 each make four disciples, that's 64 the next year. And if those 64 spend time with just four people, the next year, that's 256, right? There's a lot of small churches. But man, we should not despise the small things because just wait and see what happens here in a few years if these four people keep just spending time with four people. I think this is one of the reasons why Jesus didn't mind when the masses left him, 
Remember he said, you won't be saved unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the masses left because they were like, that's weird, and we're not doing that. He was basically left with the 12. And one of them said, Jesus, he basically is what he said, if you would just explain yourself, you know, they would come back. And he's like, no, I don't need to. They can just go, right? So that third, that fourth year, that becomes 256 people. If those make four disciples, it's 1,024 the next year, then 4,096. And I'm going to skip ahead. You ready for this? After just, I believe it was 17 years, those four people making disciples of four people every year is 17,179,869,184. That's almost three times the population of the entire world. If just one person makes four people, spends time with them to disciple them a year. Four, and then those four. 17 years. That's not that long, right? Discipleship, letting your roots grow together is so much more important and effective than standing in front of 50,000 people and preaching Jesus, which again, I'm not coming against that. That is important, and there's a place for that, and, and, and I love that, and I'd love to be on a stage in front of 50,000 people preaching Jesus, but what I'm trying to show you is the impact of standing still and letting your roots grow with each other. It is profoundly larger than preaching to the masses. One's pretty glamorous, right? One looks really good on camera, and one sometimes looks like 14 empty rows on a Sunday morning on camera. And that's okay. It's not bad. Neither one are bad. They're both needed. But one makes a larger impact than the other. And that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And then as you do that, as as you spend time with with people, as your roots grow, the fruit that just comes from the community, like those trees that sprout from the roots, becomes so much greater than even the seeds that fall and, and grow other places. That's great too. But those trees that sprout straight from the community, just like the rest of the community become prosperous. They become filled with long, good life. And then this impact, I want to finish this off talking about the impact that these trees make. They make an environmental impact like no other forest out there. First of all, an entire ecosystem, entire ecosystems live in their branches that never even see the ground, right? Other, other growth in wildlife happens in their, their branches like create like an entire another forest above the forest bed, which is awesome, right? We can, we as a church, as a community with our roots growing, create an ecosystem within our city that is safe, that is, that is beautiful, or people can come in and prosper, right? So it's a system within a system, right? We are a kingdom within a world. We are in a world, not of the world, but this is a kingdom that is different. And here's one of my favorite things. Like trees, like other vegetation, they create rain, but they create a lot of rain. And they absorb more toxins and more, uh, more uh, pollution than any other place in the world. They absorb it, and of course, they put out this clean rain. They literally create their own rain and clean the atmosphere as they do it. They filter out the bad stuff and turn it into good stuff because they have stood still, because they've let their roots grow together, because of how big and because of who they are, because of what they've done. They literally create 
an environment that is cleaner, that is better, that is healthier. And as the church, what are we called to do more than bringing his kingdom to earth? Jesus said, pray. And when you do, he finished it with on earth as it is in heaven. Man, if something does not exist in heaven, it is not supposed to exist on earth, right? And as the church, it is our job as we come into contact with sickness and disease, right? With uh, sin or with uh, poverty, whatever it is. Man, it's our job as a church to call people up to live differently, not call them out, not be the condemnation, guilt, uh, passing people, whatever, but to greet and meet people with the love of God like Jesus did. And through kindness, which leads people to repentance, as the Bible said, it's the kindness of God that leads them to repentance. Through meeting people with love, real love, call them up to a different way of living. Man, we as the church should not be feeling like we, we, we're told to, uh, we should not be feeling like we're getting smaller and, and told to, to be more and more discreet. No, we should be going out and making a larger impact than ever, especially as things get darker, right? Doesn't a light shine brighter in the darkness? Uh, you know, you don't make things lighter by shoveling out darkness. You make darkness lighter by just taking the light into it. And there's so many times we fall trapped. Uh, we fall to this like trap of trying to get the darkness out right? And that's just not our job as the church. It's just to go be the light. Yeah. It's just to flip the switch on. And wherever you walk, wherever you go, wherever our FCG and lots of other great churches around here, wherever our feet tread, that is where the light of the Lord is going. If his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, we take that with us wherever we go. You know, we, the church, are connected to the living water that doesn't run dry, right? We're connected to the source. These trees uh, become their own source when things run dry, which is awesome. But this is where we differ. We're actually connected to a living water that doesn't run dry. And when everything else around us seems dry, we can take that water to wherever we go. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to mention it again. Two of, my, two of my friends, they're, they're older guys, and they've been in, um, they're great worship leaders. And um, I'll give you a little more details this time. I just said it in passing two weeks ago. But uh, the one guy spent his entire life and career just traveling, playing music everywhere. And the other guy just sat still in his church where he was planted and eventually started a school, a school for worship, eventually mentored thousands and thousands of, 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 of believers and they're both close to 70 now, and they were both sitting around, and somebody asked them what they would do differently. And the guy that spent his life traveling just straight up said, my friend who stood still has made a larger impact on this world than I could ever have made traveling. You know, he said, I, I, I've made some big mistakes just going, going, going. And I thought I was making a big impact, but here we are towards the end of our lives. I can look back and see that he's made such a larger impact. My, my friend... Uh, well, a lot of you know him. He's been here plenty of times, but Leonard is the guy who, who's, Leonard Jones is the guy who stood still, started a worship school. And man, there's songs that every church in the world sings because Leonard spent time mentoring the people who wrote those songs. I mean, every, uh, just to name a few, How He Loves Us is one. Um, no Longer Slaves 
Raise a Hallelujah. These are songs that every church in the world, I think, sings. The, the, the folks that wrote these songs were students of Leonard's. People went to him at his school and he let his roots and their roots grew together. He mentored, he discipled, he didn't breeze in and breeze out. And a larger impact was made than you could ever imagine. And that is how it works. It's time with each other. It is letting ourselves get to know each other, being vulnerable that gives us longevity, that brings prosperity into our lives, that makes an impact. And that's what we're called to do as a church, as the church, really. And you know, it, it makes sense too when you think about Jesus, the three years he walked around and ministered to people. If you think, he, he was alive on this earth for 33 years, only three of them did he spend what we call his ministry from the age of 30 to 33. It, to our human minds, doesn't it make sense? Well, he should have just been doing that for all 33 years. Or why didn't he live till he was 73 and spend 43 years walking around? No, three. And why didn't he keep those masses around? Why did he spend his time with the 12? And then beyond that, the three. And then even just the one, right? Why did he do that? He didn't see with the same eyes we see. He didn't think I have to go everywhere and I have to do everything and I have to reach 10 million people. He just said, if I got these three, that's all I need. If I got these 12, three years and these 12, enough to turn the entire world right side up. So many times we get discouraged when we look at our lives and we think I'm not making the impact I thought I would make. I'm not in front of the masses singing songs or preaching the gospel. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Are you just standing still and letting your roots grow around your friends, your community, your church? Well, you're in the right place. And you're poised to make a larger impact than you could ever imagine by going from place to place and just living like a nomad. Behold how good and pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity. It goes beyond just being good and pleasant. Man, that good and pleasant becomes excitement. It becomes, it becomes seeing sons and daughters, right? Maybe blood sons and daughters, maybe spiritual sons and daughters thrive and, and going out and making an impact. And then they raise up other spiritual sons and daughters and see an impact. One of the things that, since I brought my dad up a couple of times, one of the things that meant the most to me was he was 59 when he died. And a few weeks after, our friend Vigo, uh, who, who, a great guy, stood up and asked if he could say something. And he said, you know, Pastor Barry finished too early, but he finished well. Because look around, we're all still here. Because his son, his daughter, are, are carrying his legacy on. Because his other two daughters are sitting here beside us. Because we're all moving forward together. He finished well. He finished too early, but he finished well. And it's because of the legacy he left, because of the impact he made. And it wasn't because he, he ran around preaching to the masses. It's because he stood still and he was here on Sunday mornings and he was with his kids on Tuesday nights at soccer games and baseball games and plays and things like that. Sometimes what we think is the most minuscule thing, what we think is the most mundane, is just standing still letting our root system go around each other. And we can't even measure the impact that it's going to make in the end. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 and 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who don't follow. 
or, or join, join in, in, in with mockers. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Man, this takes a community, right? This takes each other, not being isolated. This prospering in every season takes each other. The living water is within every single one of us, but we're pretty good sometimes at shoring that up and not letting it flow through us. We need each other every once in a while to say, hey, what's going on? Let's get to the bottom of this. But man, we're a great, we got the word, God in us, and I'm telling you, I've seen for 30 years here, at Freedom specifically, I've seen this, my own eyes, and it is beautiful. And we're seeing it right now. And I believe where we're headed as a church and as a community is, uh, it's just beautiful. I, I don't look at the world and just think it's all so negative. And um, I mean, there is a lot of negative things out there. But you know, as the church, we're called to prosper and even thrive through things that go on all around us. 10,000 fall at our right and 10,000 at our left. And we're, we can stay standing. And you know, that can get kind of freaky when you're looking at stuff and you start letting your mind wander. But that's why we have each other. To pull each other back in, to remind each other that we have different promises, that we have a different economy. And I'm excited about where we're headed. I, I, you know, Lisa and I will lead the way of this standing still and allowing our roots to entwine around each other. Man, that's awesome. I'm going to invite the band to come up as we close. I can't count how many times in the past six years I've said this phrase from this pulpit, which is, we need each other. We need each other. If we could only see, you know, below the surface, or we could only see beyond what we see, I think, I think that we would process things so differently. But you know, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight for that very reason. Because by sight, standing still, not going, 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 by sight will tell you you're not doing enough. By sight, walking by sight will tell you you're not where the Lord called you to be. You're not doing what he's called you to do. You're not making the impact you were supposed to make. I can't tell you how many friends that I have seen fall to this uh, belief and even like get into a depression because they say I'm not making the impact I know I'm supposed to make. But you know, it's, it's all such a process. And, and, and when you go back to the heart of this series, waiting to wait, it seems like life so often is so much waiting and that's all right, it's a beautiful season. It's a beautiful season and the way we keep moving forward and the way we get to those moments that we've been waiting on is by wrapping our thoughts around the thoughts of the Lord. We talked about that by holding on to hope. And I'm telling you, part three is on purpose, wrapping our lives around each other. So 
So I hope what this has done today, I hope it's encouraged you to maybe step out a little bit more into, into relationships, right? Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, right? It might mean being a little more vulnerable. It might mean, I mean it could be as simple as asking somebody to go have lunch. Clean up your house and say, hey, come over for dinner one night. Or maybe don't clean your house. Have them come over for dinner. I don't know. Whatever you got to do, but this takes a little work. It takes a little effort. I've said this quite a bit lately, but this is not like a, a sermon that can finish off with like a big altar call where we say, okay, zap, now you got it. No, it takes some effort. It takes some action. You got to open up a little bit. And you know what? We can pray this right now, and I will. Lord, those of us that have been hurt, the ones in this room that have been hurt and, and are scared to open up, I just thank you that your word says you have not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And I thank you that as you lead us to open up our lives a little more, that what we'll find is not uh, not, not the pain and discomfort, but we'll find excitement in, in your relationship. We'll find peace. We'll find comfort in those moments. Where we've been hurt by people, I thank you that you're the God who heals those wounds. You are the God who heals, and that includes anything emotional, anything uh, physical, emotional. You are the God who healed us. And I thank you for healing those hurts. I thank you for bringing us to the place where we can open up again. Not only to you, but to each other. Respond to the word and I'll worship here for a few moments. And then I'll come back up and close us out.